Welcome to the FCC Podcast. Hear all the stories, worship, and teaching from Sunday service. Want to connect with us or learn more about FCC? Visit us at FCCETown.com. When we uh, had been married about five years, I decided that it was time to take on a home improvement project. Okay, like a big home improvement project. The house that we moved into in Illinois um, didn't have, it, it's had completely unfinished basement. And yet when I walked down the stairs into that basement cave, I had a vision of what it could be. In, in my head, we were gonna have like a, a section that was like a man cave and then like a, an office area and a, a living room for the family that we didn't have yet, but we thought it'd be great for them to have space and we could all spend time down there together. There was a spot that we could put a guest room and still have storage space there as well. I mean, all kinds of plans. And as I was thinking it through, the, the more I thought about it, really all it was gonna take was you throw up some walls, you hang some lights and you're good. You know, it's done. It's exactly what you need it to be. Now, at that point in my life, I had never hung drywall. I had never helped anyone hang drywall. I had no idea what it would take to hang drywall. And uh, this was long before the era of YouTube and YouTube videos and smartphones where you can kind of watch and see and all the DIY stuff that's out there now. And so my solution was I, I went to Home Depot and I found one of the workers at Home Depot in the aisle and I asked him how to hang drywall. And I stood there for 10 minutes while he explained to me how you hang drywall. And so I got all the information that I needed about hanging drywall to become an expert from the guy that worked at Home Depot. I want you to just think about that for a second. That was my instruction. Was that guy giving me information? And after 10 minutes, of listening to him, I was pretty sure I had it down. I, I, I didn't need any more help. I was gonna be able to do this no problem at all. I got all my materials and headed home. For four weekends in a row, I hung drywall by myself because that's part of what I was after, was I wanted to make sure I did this whole thing by myself. I wanted to save money at every turn that I could, and I wanted to do it all myself. So I started hanging drywall. What I didn't understand, that I now understand, and maybe you didn't know this too, so this is a good tip for you, um, drywall sheets are tapered on the ends for a reason, is that you're supposed to butt the tapered ends up against each other so that when you put the mud in, it can cover that seam and keep the wall flat. I didn't know that. So I'm making unwise cuts all over the place. I'm putting cut edges against tapered edges, which is leaving this really neat ledge that's on my walls that are supposed to be perfect but the guy at Home Depot had told me that when you mud, you can kind of cover up a lot of mistakes you make. I didn't realize he didn't mean mistakes that are quite that big, okay? But for four weekends, I hung drywall by myself to save money. Now, at the time, we didn't have a lot of money in the bank, and um, we were also very cheap, and so that seemed like a good reason. But if I'm honest, it got to a point where it was a sense of pride and a sense of pridefulness to not ask for help and to try and do every part of it myself. So then came the mudding and the taping and the sanding. And so again, there's these big problems that are on my drywall and I figure I'm just gonna cover them with mud and more mud is always better, right? So I would put lots of mud 
and let it dry and then get to sanding later. So now, if that basement still exists the way that I created it, which I hope it doesn't, but if it's there, all along the middle of every wall is a huge but smooth hump that's there. All the way through the whole basement was this hump of mud because I had to sand and sand and sand. And when you sand that hard against the drywall and you keep pushing and you keep pushing and you keep pushing, you end up popping the screw holes that you've made to put the drywall up against the studs and then you've got to repair that as well. Now, as we eventually got down the road and closer and closer to the finish line, I did finally ask some people for help. And there were people that I knew, people who were in our church, people who lived in our neighborhood, people who lived next door to me, who had skills and talents, and some who were even professionally hired to do this kind of work that I had refused to ask help of. And when they came to see what I had done, they really believed that there was only so much they could do. Okay? It was far enough down the road that they were chipping in to kind of get it to the finish line, but they, th there was really no way to make up for what I had already done. And one of the guys actually coined the phrase that is now part of our family lore when he was showing me how to do the things that I didn't know how to do, that he was trying to teach me how to do, but I'd already made so many mistakes that I would do the thing that he asked me to do, and I would say, hey, is that right? And he would look at it and then look around the room and go, well, it's good enough for who it's for. I was gonna do it all myself, and I didn't need any help. And in the end, I was left with a project that wasn't anywhere close to what I had wanted it to be. And you would think that after that one example that went on for weeks and months and actually years of time, that would be enough to keep me from ever trying to do something I'm not talented to do and that I'm not skilled to do all by myself and not ask for help, but it's not. I'm still guilty of cutting corners. I'm still guilty of trying to do things without asking people for help. Do you have any projects that are going on in your life that are kind of like that right now? Do you have any relationships that you're kind of burdened by and you're shouldering and, and, and you're just trying to handle all of it yourself? some things that maybe you know you're not skilled to do and that you're not really great at, but you're just gonna kinda keep pressing through? Because we tend to either pride ourselves in our ability to do everything by ourselves, or we've come to a place where we've convinced ourselves that we're just not gonna bother anybody else with what's going on in our life. We're not gonna bother anybody else with maybe a problem or a project that we have because they won't understand or somehow they'll think that we're silly for even asking them. But the truth is, especially right here in this community, in this community of faith, in this church, there are people who are around you who are super talented and super skilled in things that you're not, who can help you. Or maybe that's exactly who you can be for someone else. It's really the point of what Paul's talking about in some verses that show up in Romans chapter 12. Now, this week, there's a bunch of you who participated in the homework, and 
Uh, I've kind of been getting some emails and text messages about this. There's a whole bunch that have uh, read through Romans chapter 12. That was one of the assignments. And some who have read multiple times through Romans chapter 12. Some who have read multiple translations through Romans chapter 12. Some who have been trying to memorize Romans chapter 12. That was kind of the hard assignment was to memorize the whole chapter. But in fairness, I mean, you had some of it already done if you did last week. You had two verses done and you just had the whole rest of the chapter to memorize. So you did that. And if you did that, even if you read it, if you did the easy version, the hard version, I'm so proud of you. It's amazing that you are diving into God's word that way. And so here's the thing. If you did that, uh, you know where Romans chapter 12 is because you've been there all week. Um, And if you didn't, I bet you can find it really quickly. So turn to Romans chapter 12, uh, whether that's digitally or physically, uh, look at Romans chapter 12 and follow with me in a few verses Uh, near the beginning of the chapter. We're actually going to pick up right where we left off last week. Here's what Paul says, Romans chapter 12, verse 3. He says this, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Now this is a little bit of a switch from what Paul's been talking about for the previous 11 chapters. Because in the beginning of the book, and almost through the middle of the book, Paul is laying down some foundations about who we are and about what's happened for us. Paul spent 11 chapters kind of detailing out that that we are sinners, and that because we're sinners, there's nothing we can do to fix our own sin. There's no way to fix that. And there's some people who didn't even know that they had sin in their life, and they certainly aren't able to do anything to fix that sin. But it says that while we were still sinners, we just read this a moment ago, while we were still sinners, God fixed our sin problem, and he sent Jesus. When he sent Jesus, Jesus came and Jesus taught, then Jesus died and rose to conquer sin and death and to give the opportunity for God to give his gift to us. And that gift is the forgiveness of sin, the forgiveness of the sin that we couldn't do anything about, and the continuing relationship with Holy Spirit God in our life to guide us and direct us the rest of the way. Now that gift is a tremendous gift that we have received. Now what he doesn't say is that because we've received that gift, and because we say yes to Jesus, and because we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that life's going to be perfect from here on out that somehow we're gonna kinda skip over any rough spots that come along and any tragedies that happen and and we'll be able to kinda move around any any troubles that come our way. He doesn't say that at all. The the other thing the Holy Spirit's not for, okay, the the Holy Spirit's not dwelling within you to help you in the horse races, okay, or to help you pick out the right prop bet to bet on in the Super Bowl, okay, that's not what the Holy Spirit's here for is to help you with stuff like that. The Holy Spirit is here to help you live your life in such a way that celebrates what God has already done for you. Now that is what's talked about for 11 chapters. Paul takes 11 chapters to explain to us the foundations of what's happened for us and what has happened to us and what gift is being presented to us. And that's a great message to be given, but here in chapter 12, he begins to take a turn. And it's certainly not a turn for the worse. It's just a change in what he's going to talk about. Now he wants to talk about the practical part of life. And instead of talking about all the stuff that's been done for you and and how life can exist for you and what life is like for you, instead of doing all that, which he's already talked about, now he wants to talk about 
what you can do, and even more specifically, what we can do together. And right off the bat, in the, the verse that we just read, Paul says something that maybe we, we don't quite get. He says, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, okay, for by the grace given me is a phrase that's really a comment about the role that Paul has. Paul's purpose was to teach us was to explain things to us, was to clear up for us some things that were not as clear to us as they could have been, some things that we get confused on quite a bit. Paul's constantly there to kind of clear that out and, and help us understand. And when he says about his role, about himself, he says, for by the grace given me, he's pointing to the fact that this role that he has of teaching is not something that he chose to do. It's not even something that he was actually trained to do, to go around and teach people and, and explain things to people, especially about this grace that we've been given from Jesus. But it's something that God called him to do. The, the, the first century phrase for by the grace given me is kind of a first century phrase for God is, is having me do this. God has called me to do this. God is the source of the role that I have. I didn't choose to do this. I didn't ask to be here. It's an important comment that he is gonna highlight later, but what Paul is saying about his role and about everybody's role and about all the gifts that we are given is that God is the source of all our gifts. It is really important for us to, to perceive this and understand this correctly, because Paul went on to say, and, and he warned us, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Now, why would he say that? Well, he would say it because it turns out that inequality can creep in and sneak into the church as well as it can in any other part of life. And there are sometimes people who will look at what they do or look at what they are gifted to do and they will think that because what they're gifted to do is out in front of people or what they're gifted to do uh, seems to impact a lot of people very quickly, that what they do is somehow more important or what they do is somehow more spiritual or closer to God than the people who are doing something else that is in the background, which is completely not the case. But it's kind of who we are. We, we build a pecking order to how things are, and so the, the more spiritual you are in our mind, the, the, the more important thing you must be doing, which is not at all the case. I realize that this is Super Bowl Sunday, and so there's a big game tonight, and, and, and a bunch of us are gonna watch that game just because it's the Super Bowl, and that's what you do, but I kinda quit paying attention to the, 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 the football playoffs when the Dolphins went out a few weeks ago, okay? That I was done, moving on. And I went and started watching college basketball. And with college basketball, I start paying attention to the rankings that are out there. The rankings that come out every week that tell you how good your team is. Now, so for those of you who are UK fans or L fans, a ranking is this number thing. <laughs> it comes out at the beginning of every week and it kind of tells you where your team falls if they're good. I mean, when am I going to have a chance to say that again? 
I pay attention on Mondays when the rankings come out to see where IU is, to see if they've moved up or moved down, and they're going to go up this year, this week, and I'm excited about that. And so all that stuff is, is stuff that we do, but we do that with the church too. And we start ranking the importance of different things and different roles and different gifts. But you see what Paul says is that God is the source of your gifts. And so don't think too highly of the gift that you have or the role that you have in the community. But I think that that there's another reason that Paul brings up this source. And Stuart Briscoe kind of points to that at the other end of the spectrum. He says this, Paul appears to suggest that other believers may abuse their gifts by simply not using them at all. Meanwhile, there are many who have no concept of their gifts, while others who know their gifts are given little or no encouragement to exercise them. I got to tell you, part of the joy of living in community, part of the joy of being part of the church when the church is functioning correctly, is getting to use the gifts that God has given you and watching other people use the gifts that God has given them. He is the source. He has not gifted everybody the same way. He has not given everybody the exact same gift. He's given them different gifts, given all of us different gifts, but it's not based on the abilities and the talents that you wish you had or that you want to have or even on the notoriety that you're hoping to get. God gifts us in different ways for the sake of the body, for the sake of the community of faith, What you have been gifted to do is not about you. It's not about what you even get out of it. Paul goes on and he says this. He says, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. There's another letter that Paul wrote to the churches in Ephesus where he's talking about the different gifts that people have. And he says that, look, everybody has different gifts, but they have different gifts for a reason. He says this, the reason is to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. God is the source of all the gifts, but the body of Christ is the purpose for all of your gifts. When you serve and when you participate in what you are gifted to do, you make all of us better. But that takes commitment, that takes focus, and that takes patience. If we don't remember that God is the source of the gifts that we have, or if we don't remember that His church is the purpose for the gifts that we have. We can, again, let arrogance kind of creep in. And we start aspiring to do things that we aren't actually gifted to do. And we start thinking to ourselves that we can accomplish something that God hasn't gifted us to accomplish. Or we can take the gifts that God has given to us and use them in ways that aren't about building up the body of Christ, that aren't about building up the kingdom of God. My family, okay, my, for generations on my side, 
Um, we have never been specifically handy people. Okay? I can't remember a single time that my mom and dad were asked to come and help with a home improvement project. Okay? It's just never happened. For a long time, uh, my toolbox that I had at home, the only things that were in it were tools that other people had left at my house when they had come over to do stuff that I couldn't do. And I'm almost convinced that they intentionally left them there because they looked in my toolbox and just thought it was pitiful. We gotta give them something. And because I am just not handy and I'm not into that kind of thing, I, I figured out that there's tools that can be used for ways that they were never intended to be used. Okay, some of you know this one. Okay, if you've got a really long screwdriver, thing makes a great paint stirrer. Okay, and you can get that screwdriver out and stir that paint like nobody's business. But if you're lazy enough to stir your paint with a screwdriver, it means you're probably also lazy enough to never clean it off. Okay, and so you got this caked on paint that's on top of your screwdriver to the point that now it's just nothing but a stick. Okay, you can't even use it as the, what it was intended to be used for. It won't unscrew or tighten anything because it's covered in paint. Same thing happens with our drill bits. Uh, we use drill bits and we try and drill into the wrong kind of material with the stuff we have drill bits for thinking that if we'll just push hard enough, it'll go in. And so now we have drill bits that don't work anymore, that are snapped off, that are ground down. Some of them that have the, 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 the screwdriver ends on, we've, we've just stripped those things or we've stripped screws trying to use them. Back from my drywalling days, this is actually the tool that I use to put the mud on. There's actually some mud, I can promise you this, the mud that is on this tool is the mud from the basement that I helped, or that I built 20 something years ago. Cause I ain't never touched drywall since. <laughs> also on this tool is a nice coat of paint because we've also used it to edge stuff when we didn't have an edger, so we'll just use this, this is good. It's bent on one corner because these are wonderful tools to pry something open. But here's the problem. Now that it looks like this and is bent the way that it's bent, it can't actually be used anymore for what it was intended to be used for. It's gotten worn out by all the misuse. Tools used for the wrong purposes have the potential to get damaged along the way to the degree that they're far less effective for their intended purposes. God has gifted you and he has given you abilities and he's given you time to play your part and your role in the body of Christ. And when we fight against that, and we wanna go and do something else, and we wanna be gifted in a way we're not gifted in, and we just kinda of force our way in to do something we were never intended to do, or when we hear about our gift and we decide that we're gonna go into hiding, and we're not really gonna do any of these things, and we're gonna sit on the sidelines, then we are missing you. And when we are missing you, it means that some people who maybe aren't as 
gifted as you are in that area have to pitch in and get the thing done, but they're not doing it as well as you could have done it and getting worn out in the process, and suddenly they're less effective in what God intended them to do in the community. For great purposes, God wants you to use the gifts that he has given to you and and that he had a reason and a purpose for you to do that gift, those roles, to build up his church. And when I think back to the basement project, I wish that I had been a little less prideful and not tried to do everything myself. I have a feeling that the corners that I was trying to cut to save us money didn't end up saving us money in the end. And in fact, the, the, the whole project that was there, I, I wish that I had asked for help from these talented people who were all around me from the very beginning. But instead, that project that I had a dream of and visions of did not finally get finished until the month before we moved out and moved here. And I never even got to enjoy the dream that was in my head of what that basement was gonna look like and how it was gonna be used. Because this guy was gonna do it all himself and wasn't skilled and wasn't talented to do what needed to be done. There are things that I do well None of them were on display in that basement. But that's actually the beauty of the nature of this, of this community that we're part of it as God designed it. Paul goes on and he says this. He says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. There's that phrase again, that God sourced gifts to us, okay? If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, then do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Paul has longer lists of all the gifts that he talks about in other letters that he wrote, but none of the lists are considered exhaustive lists of all the gifts that God gives out, but it shows something very special even in this list that God is the source of the gifts that he gives, and he gives those gifts for the purpose of building up his church and strengthening his church, and he makes sure that there are a variety of gifts. I wanna talk about your homework real quickly for this week coming up. If you have your your smartphone with you, um, I'd love for you to pull it out right now and, and pull up the FCC app. And if you don't have the FCC app, you can go to your app store and download it. Just put in FCC E-Town and it'll be the first thing that pops up. It's got the little F there with the little leaf on it and you, you can download that and, and you can pull that up. When you pull it up on your phone, you're gonna find all these buttons that are there. And there's one button that says serve underneath. It's a whole bunch of hands that are raised in the air. And when you click on that button, two things come up. One is volunteer at FCC. And if you were to go to that, you would be able to put in your name and your email and and it'll show you like 50 plus uh, different roles and places where you could serve and you could click those and you'll find out information about how you could serve. By clicking them, you're not signing up for it. Um, You're just saying, hey, I might be interested in this. And and so that's a great source for you to know that's there, but that's not what your homework is. The other thing when you click that serve button is that it says 
spiritual gifts survey. Your homework for this week is I would love for you to take that spiritual gifts survey. Now, don't start taking it right now because it's going to take you about 15 minutes to take it. There's only three answers that you can give for all the different questions that are there, and there's a whole bunch of questions. But at the end of the time, once you've answered all those questions, your answer to those questions will kind of help, uh, help us discern what it is that your gifts are, and it'll send you, here are your top three gifts, and it'll give you great explanation as to what those gifts are, what their function is, where they're talked about in the Bible, and even give you some suggestions on how that could work and what role you could play in the church, what role you could play in, in a broader uh, kingdom community around uh, the, the area and even around the world. Okay? And so your homework is to figure out what those top three gifts are for you by taking that spiritual gifts survey. In doing that, the plan is not for you to do that and then pop over to the volunteer at FCC and, and volunteer for a whole bunch of stuff that's connected to your gift. If you want to do that, that's great. But that's not why we're asking you to do this. I want you to know how God has gifted you. And if you want to do something more with that, that's great, and I hope that you will. But it is so important for you to know that God has gifted you. And he's gifted you to do things to build up his church. And he's made sure that, that your gift mix is probably not at all the same as the person who's sitting right next to you. So we're trying to use this tool as well right here uh, at First Christian to help people kind of find their place. They may find their place to the right area that they want to serve, but we want to use these, these gifts assessments to help kind of figure out what's the best thing that you could do within that area of service. Because when we all get better at understanding that God is the source and that he has given a variety of gifts to each of us, all for the purpose of strengthening his church, we start to better understand where and why we are wired up the way that we are. But when you figure all this out, and, and if you do this homework, I'm going to ask that you would promise one thing. Please don't go into hiding. Please don't sit on the sidelines. Please don't look at the list that you're given and just decide, I I I'm done, I'm going to check out. None of us can do this on our own. The work of the church and the strength of the church and the body of Christ reaching the world with the good news of Jesus Christ, there's not a single one of us that can do that all by ourselves. I certainly do not have all the gifts necessary to do that, but we do. And we are better together. Let me pray for us right now. Heavenly Father, God, I, I thank you for who you are, for how you have loved us and cared for us and given us the gift of your forgiveness and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And um, that gifting is sufficient for sure, far beyond what we deserve. And yet you don't stop there. And you give gifts to each one of us for the purpose of building up your church. Because you know when, when, when your church functions in the way that you designed it to function and when we are truly being our best, 
It's attractive. And there are people who are interested. There are people who see it as different than what the world is offering. And, and in the process of trying to figure out what that means, they get to meet Jesus. They get to understand the life change that's not only possible for us, but it's possible for them. God, would you help us to embrace the fact that you have given each of us gifts to do, none more important than another, and that we are better together. We thank you for Jesus, the one that we follow, the one who leads us, the one who showed us the way to you. We thank you for his sacrifice. We thank you for his power over death in the resurrection. We thank you that he binds us together. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.